0: Welcome to Thrive Church. We are so happy to have you here with us today. My name is Judah and I'm the lead pastor of Thrive and we welcome you here. Uh, If you're at one of our campuses, torrington New Britain, Terryville, or if you are online or watching on TV, we are so glad to have you here. And we are in a series right now called I Doubt It. I Doubt It. And, And throughout this series, we're exploring the doubts that we may have as followers of Jesus Christ or even the doubts that you may have if you're just exploring uh, the claims of Jesus Christ. If you're exploring faith, there's many doubts that come at us, and and it seems like so often in church, doubt is looked down upon as something that, that's bad, that's detrimental, but I believe that doubt, if used properly, can actually draw us closer to God and can help us to have more faith. So we're exploring doubt and, and different characters in Scripture that it affected. We began in the first week talking about John the Baptist, who kind of prepared the way for the Messiah, the coming Messiah, but later on, he had doubts himself, and he began to question whether or not Jesus was, in fact, the Messiah. Then we talked about Zechariah, who was John the Baptist's father, and how he had doubts about the promise that an angel gave him that him and his wife would conceive a child in their old age. And in fact, that did happen. And then last week, we talked about the villain of the New Testament, Judas. Judas, the one who betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And the amount of doubt that entered his mind that drove him to making such a drastic decision in his life, something that he ultimately ended up regretting and taking his own life. So so far we've looked at people in the Bible who've doubted God, who've doubted Jesus. But this week we're gonna look at, at maybe another cause of doubt. Something that very likely we've all been guilty of. And that is ourselves doubting ourselves, doubting, doubting our ability to be used by God. Do you wanna be used by God? In this world, do you want God to to work through you? Do you want God to do great things? Well, many of us would like that. But then the other question is, is do we think he can use us? With our past, with our baggage, with our addictions, with the problems that we've had in our life, can God use me? Many of us, we have faith in God. We have faith in who God is. But then we also doubt that he is able to work through us that he's able to use us to impact this world in which we live, e- either because of our own abilities or lack of abilities, because we don't feel like we're capable of it, maybe because our past is looming over us, because we know what we've done. We know the problems that we've uh, encountered in our life. We know the, the addictions. We know the problems and the trials we've went through. and We say, I don't know if God could use me. Here's good news for those of us that want to be used by God in your notes is that God loves to work through imperfect people. Isn't that good news? Just look around for just a second, okay? Look at the person to your left or your right. Turn around, look at the person. They're imperfect. Did you know that? You're sitting around imperfect people. And guess what? You're pretty imperfect yourself. (laughs) I'm imperfect too. Like, we're all imperfect. We all are jacked up. We all have issues in our life. But God specializes in using imperfect people, people like you and people like me. So we're going to look at somebody in the Bible. And, And for the Jews, there was no one, no one that was greater in their mind than Moses. No one was greater than Moses, even to this day. The Jews, they they revere Moses as one of the founders of their faith because he was the deliverer. He was the deliverer. Moses had been called by God to deliver the Israelites, the Jewish nation, out of slavery in Egypt. He was the one called and chosen to bring them out of this slavery situation, and he knew this. He was born in a time when the Jews were in slavery, In fact, as the Jewish nation began to expand, the pharaoh, he began to become very nervous that if too many people joined the the Jewish ranks that they could overthrow the Egyptians. So the pharaoh concocted a plan to to slaughter all of the infant boys as they were being born. They would kill them and only allow the girls to survive. And and so they told all the, the, the midwives and the nurses to do this. However, Moses Was spared. Moses' mother took this baby, this baby boy. If you know the story, she took him, she put him in a basket and put him out to drift in the river, knowing that hopefully someone would find him. And sure enough, he was found not only by somebody, but by the Pharaoh's own daughter. Finds this baby in a basket. She falls in love with this child, hires the child's own mother to take care of him, and then she adopts him as his own. Not only was this baby spared, but he moved into the palace. I mean, he got the best of everything. He was raised with everything. There was no expense spared. He had every privilege that was available to a human being in that era Moses had because they considered him the grandson of a god. And so Moses grows up in the lap of luxury But all the time, he knows that God had selected him, had chosen him to be a deliverer, to deliver his people out of slavery and bondage in Egypt. And one day, as he's getting older, he sees a Jew being mistreated by an Egyptian, and he looks around and sees that nobody's there, and he goes over and he kills this Egyptian. He buries him in the sand. He says, I'm gonna be the deliverer one way or the other. Do we ever try to take things in our own hands? Like, we feel like God wants us to do something. We're like, okay, I can do that. I'm gonna take matters in my own hands. That's what Moses did. He's like, I'm gonna do this. Uh -uh." And it's gonna start now. Enough is enough. He thought nobody saw, but in fact, people had seen. And so Moses ran. He flees for his life. He goes to the wilderness and spends 40 years in the wilderness. He turns over a new leaf. He leaves his past behind, and he is now a new person. He's no longer the prince of Egypt. He's no longer the grandson of a god. He's no longer a deliverer. Now, now, he's a shepherd. He's a shepherd. He gets married, and and he's a son-in-law to a priest, and and this priest has flocks of sheep, and, and so Moses' job was just basically tending to the flocks, and he's just living his life, and he's minding his own business, and he's tending the flock, and he ends up through the wilderness, and he ends up, at Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai was known as the mountain of God, and at that mountain he sees a bush on fire. Maybe you've heard the story of the burning bush, and he sees this bush, and and then he goes over to investigate it, and and he hears this voice saying, don't come any closer, take off your shoes. This is holy ground. I don't know, it must have been crazy, but if a tree ever starts talking to you, you might wanna do what it says. So he takes off his shoes, he gets closer, and he's like, who am I talking to here? And the tree says, I am the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and Jacob. Clearly it was not a tree speaking, but it was God speaking through this. So Moses covers his face. He's afraid to see God. He's afraid because he might die. And this God speaking through this bush says, I've heard the cries of the Jewish people, and I'm aware that they are suffering, and I'm going to rescue them. Did you know that God is always aware of your suffering? God is always aware of the difficulties that you're going through. You know, the Israelites, they had been in slavery for over 400 years, and it seems like a long time, but God was always aware. God is always aware. He is always there. He's always watching. He's always with us. He promises he'll never leave us and never forsake us. So here God is speaking to Moses and he's, he, he's speaking to him through this burning tree. You know, Moses' mind must just be absolutely blown at this moment. And then we see in Exodus 3.10, this is where we pick up our story. It says, Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God. Like those are some crazy words, right? God is saying, I want you to do this, and he's like, no, I'm protesting, I'm protesting. You ever see a protest, you know? People got the little signs that are out there, they're picketing, they want better wages, they want something else, they're protesting something. What is a protest? A protest is saying, you're doing something wrong. You're doing something I disagree with, so I'm going to protest by holding a sign, I'm gonna protest by not buying your product, I'm gonna protest by, by not voting for you, I'm, I'm gonna protest because I don't agree with you, you. I don't agree with this. And here it says Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? This is doubt. Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answers in verse 12, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I'm the one who sent you. When you've brought the people out of Egypt, you'll worship God at this very mountain. You're gonna come back here and you're gonna worship me, but Moses protested. He's still out there picketing, like he's still out there protesting. Like, wait a minute, God, I, I gotta stop you right there. I gotta stop you right there. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me, they'll say, "What's his name then?" Then what should I tell him? He's like, "I got gotcha. you." What should I tell him then? And God replies to Moses, "I am who I am." Say this to the people of Israel: "I am." has sent me to you. This is a, an interesting name. It's a name that, that's baffled theologians, but he's saying, I am, I, I am, I am God. I am the God of the past, the present, and the future. I am your God. And here, Moses is protesting against God, saying, I don't agree with you. Who am I? I'm a nobody. I'm too old. He was about 80 years old when this happened. Yeah, he spent part of his life thinking he was gonna be a deliverer, but he's already assuming that ship has sailed. No, God's not going to use me now. I'm too old. My best years are behind me. Like, Like, I had the opportunity when I was in the Pharaoh's household, but now I'm an outsider. So, throughout this interaction, God begins to reveal his plan and his desire to Moses. And Moses is responding, Who am I? Like, God, like, I doubt it. Like, I don't think you can really use me. Why? Because Moses was basing the success of this mission on his own ability. See, he failed to realize that it wasn't him who was going to be doing this. See, he was trusting in his own strength, and he was not trusting that God was the one who was going to be doing the work through him. See, he was thinking, "I I can't do this on my own. See, the truth be made known, even the most talented and skilled people in this world are not good enough. We're not good enough. To do it on our own. We're not good enough to accomplish what God has called us to accomplish in this world. You can't do it on your own. In your notes, you can't do God's will without help from God. So you can't do it without his help. He's the one who empowers us to do it. He's the one who gives us the strength, the wisdom, the insight, the abilities to accomplish the task that he has set before us. So God continues to explain his plan to Moses. He's explained, I mean, you can read it. He goes in great detail. He even says there's gonna be opposition. He's like, you're gonna go there and you're gonna say, let my people go, but, but it's not gonna work. And, and, and so I'm gonna to have to raise my mighty, powerful arm and we're gonna strike the Egyptians and there's gonna be plagues and ultimately the people will go free. So he's telling them all this. Exodus 4, we'll go to the next chapter now. Exodus 4, verse 1, but Moses protested again. Like, man, you just don't stop, do you? You're just prote- you, 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 just, you just don't believe God can actually use you. You don't think that God can actually work in this situation. Moses protested again. What if they don't believe me or listen to me? What if they say, the Lord never appeared to you? Then Moses says, what's in your hand? Says a shepherd's staff. Moses replied, Throw it on the ground. And the Lord told him. So he, Moses threw down the staff, and it turned into a snake, and Moses jumped back. Then the Lord says, Reach out and grab its tail. So Moses reached out and grabbed it, and it turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. Perform this sign, the Lord told him. Then they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has really appeared to you. He's like, You don't believe me? Here's a miracle. Throw the staff on the ground. He does it. Turns into a snake. Turns back into a staff again. He says, put your your hand underneath your garments. He puts his hand and he brings it out and it's covered in leprosy. You know, this horrible skin disease. He's like terrified now. He says, put put your hand back in your garments. He puts it back in, pulls it out again, and it's gone. He does these two miracles. God's like, maybe this will convince you that I've actually chosen you, that I can actually use you, that I want to work through you. But Moses just keeps making more excuses, more excuses, more excuses. He doubts even harder, right? It's like God keeps showing up and he doubts even harder. Do we ever do that? It's Like, okay, God, you've just upped the ante, but I'm gonna even doubt you more. Like, yeah, you've showed up, you've done these things. And it's crazy because I've seen things like this happen in life where people are praying for healing, they're praying for a loved one, they're praying for a situation. God comes through, does a miraculous thing, and they turn around and say, well, I don't know if that was really God after all. It's like, wait a minute, like God just answered your prayer. He literally answered your prayer, and now we're doubting God. And so Moses is like, I'm just going to doubt you even more. God is there, and he's just doubting him. And he tries to shut down God. He tries to basically become a, a dead end for God's voice. In your notes, don't let doubt become a dead end. Don't let doubt become a dead end where you're just doubting so hard that you no longer hear God's voice, that you're doubting so hard that you don't allow God to work in you, to work through you in the situation that he's called you to be in. Continuing on, down to verse 10 now. But Moses pleaded with the Lord. Oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now. Even though you've spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get all tangled up. And then the Lord said to Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Like, do you know who you're talking to right now? He's like, but God, I can't go because I just, I, 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 I stutter. I just, I just can't say my words right. I just, I just can't go out there. He's like, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what you say. Finally, finally, you think, now he's gonna get it. Verse 13, but Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send somebody else. I'm like, really? Like, he is just determined. Like, you're talking to a tree for crying out loud. The tree saying, this is the voice of God. Like, I think that's a lot of evidence just right there. And here's Moses like, no, okay, you know what? Can you send somebody else? Maybe maybe you could just find somebody else. Like like look what it says here. Then the Lord became angry with Moses. This is not a good position for Moses at this point. Like like you've just ticked off the wrong person right now. Like, I mean, there's a fire here. Like it, it wouldn't take much for that fire to just jump out and say, okay, you want, to, you want me to pick somebody else, Moses? I'm just going to knock you dead right now, and I will find somebody else, right? right? I mean, it's, it's, he's angry. The Lord became angry with Moses. All oh, right, he said. What about your brother, Aaron the Levite? I know he speaks well, and look, he's already on his way to meet you now. He'll be delighted to see you. That always makes me laugh, because, you know, I'm thinking like, like, God already had Aaron on the way. Like, he already knew this whole conversation was gonna happen, right? He already has Aaron on the way to come see him. And say, like, oh yeah, okay, fine, fine. You don't think you can do it? Well, your brother's already on the way. I've just eliminated your final excuse. I want you to go and do this. God, God's angry. Does our doubt ever anger God? Does our doubt, our continual doubt, and again, sometimes doubt drives us to seek answers. It drives us to, to encourage, to, to build our faith, But does our doubt ever anger God where he's like, you know what, I've been asking you to do this for long enough. I've been asking you to do this. You know, there was a friend of mine many years ago, and he felt like, like God was calling him into the ministry. He said, you know, all of his life he spent, uh, and he felt like God was inspiring him that he should be a pastor one day, that he should pastor a church. And he went to Bible school and he, and he, and he got his qualifications and he did all this stuff. And he's like, I really believe that God really had his hand on me. He's like, I had people prophesy over me. And I said, Well, when are you going to do it? He's like, Well, I don't know. I'm just not ready yet. Well, I mean, the guy's already passed away many years ago. And although he led led a a great life, and a life that that did honor God, he never stepped into that role that he felt God was calling him into. Like, Like, what a tragic situation. What is it that God is calling us into? And are we just saying, well, God, it's not the right time. Can you just pick somebody else? I can't speak well enough. Just pick somebody else. Send anybody, but just don't send me. Moses just keeps pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. He said, well, I got physical limitations. and God's showing him signs. He's doing miracles. But even after all of that, he's still doubting God because he doubted himself. He doubted his own abilities. It's like, I'm not very good with words. I'm too old. I'm just not qualified for this. Can you just send somebody else? Just send somebody else. I, I, I can't speak well. He struggled with speaking in front of people. And now God is asking him to lead probably around 600,000 men, probably around two million people in total. He's like, "Go and speak to all these people." He said, like, "Go, go and, go and do this." And, and he was struggling with this idea, like, "I don't know if I can do this." You know, sometimes God calls us to do something that we don't know that we're qualified to do. We don't feel qualified to do. I remember when God, you know, called me to, to start Thrive. I was like, I don't know, I'm not very qualified for it. You know, I don't, I don't have any degrees. I, I, just, I just love God and love the Bible, and, you know, I can talk kind of loud sometimes, you know? And, and so, so it was like he kept calling me to, to do this, inspire me to do this, and, and I still don't feel like I'm the most qualified person in the world, but at some point, we just have to obey God and just take a step and say, okay, well, well, I don't know if I'm most qualified, but if you've called me to do it, then I trust that you're gonna give me the ability that I need. Now, we know that Moses is a man of faith. In fact, if you look in the New Testament, and that's all it ever refers to him as is a man of faith, but we also see the reality of his doubt, and that God still used him. See, what's going on? What's going on with Moses? See, in your notes, know, faith is not the absence of doubt. It's not the absence of doubt. In fact, I think you can probably say that doubt is the evidence of growth. That the more you grow, the closer you get to God, the more opportunity you'll have to doubt. There's things that we just don't know. It's like, you know, people say, well, where did God come from? I'm like, I don't know. It's beyond my pay grade. I don't know that. When I get to heaven, I'll ask God where he came from. But I don't know. There's things that, that we have doubts of. There's things that we don't understand about God. There's things, like that. and the closer we get to God, the more doubts that we'll have, but what's important is that we know where to go. We go to God's word. We, 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 we read scripture. We study these things. See, doubt is the evidence of growth, and God is asking Moses to go and speak before Pharaoh, who is the highest authority in the land, in the Egyptian empire. He, he's going to speak to him, and not only speak to him, but in a public setting, And we do see that Aaron, he comes along and Aaron talks some, but it doesn't take long before Moses finally steps into his role. And then he's the one doing the speaking and doing the talking, because God empowered him to do the task that he called him to do. See, even with his doubts, God was there. God could have easily said, fine, you're gonna doubt me, I'll pick somebody else. I'll pick somebody who is more qualified, who trusts me more. But no, God was there. See, we don't have to do things alone. Just as Moses didn't have to do things alone, God's like, like, I'm gonna send you your brother, but I'm also gonna empower you. See, he didn't let Moses off the hook. He provided the assistance. He provided the skills that he needed to do the job that he was called to do. So he begins to work, but Pharaoh's not happy. He goes in, he speaks to Pharaoh. Finally, he's got the courage. He goes, speaks to Pharaoh, says, let my people go. And Pharaoh laughs at him and says, I'm not letting your people go. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna make their slave labor even harder. I'm gonna push them even harder. I'm gonna break them even more. And now all the Jews are mad at Moses because now they have more work to do. See, Moses comes in thinking he's going to be the de- deliverer. He's like, finally, I'm trusting God. Finally, I'm doing what God told me to do. And he goes in there, and he's like, and the Jews are like, yeah, he's here to deliver us. And he goes and says, set my people free. And he's like, nope, I'm just going to make their life more miserable. Look, look, we're going to go to another spot here. Exodus 5, uh, verse 22. Then Moses went back to the Lord and protested again. Here he is, back, to, back here protesting why have you brought all this trouble on your own people, Lord? Why did you send me? He's doubting him again. Ever since I came to Pharaoh as your spokesperson, spokesman, he has been even more brutal to your people, and you've done nothing to rescue them, time and time again. He's doubting himself, and he's doubting. God, at least four times, like several times we see on record, Moses doubting God. God is saying, go and do this, and Moses is just doubting and doubting and doubting. Eventually, God begins to bring these plagues against Egypt, and Moses starts to really move into his calling, and he stops the doubting, and he operates in faith, and God does miraculous things through him. But God is calling him to do something that, that seems impossible. Have you ever heard this phrase before? God will never give you more than you can handle. You ever heard that before? God, God will never doesn't that sound nice? God will never give you more than you can handle. Maybe you've said that to people. Well, God, will, God won't give you more than you can bear. You know what? That's not true. <laughs> it's not in the Bible. It's not true. It, it sounds nice, but but it's it's not. It's it's not true at all. Here's the thing: in your notes. Final thing in your notes, God will not give us more than he can handle. See, God, God, he might give me more than I can handle, but God will never give me more than he can handle. See, when he is working through me, I can be a conqueror. I can be an overcomer. Paul, later on in the New Testament, explains that, that oftentimes in life, we are called to do something that's beyond our ability. And why does God do that? Why does God call normal people, people like you, people like me, people with broken pasts, people with, with addictions and in recovery, people who, who, who have done all kinds of things, why does God use people like that? Because it makes us rely on him even more. Because I know I can't do this on my own. I can't do it on my own. I can't take credit for it on my own. I can't take credit for it. I mean, even today, with the service today, People are saying, hey, are you all set? I'm like, no, I'm not all set. I I don't know. I got some notes, but I'm not all set. I don't know. Like, it's only if God works through me in the situation that things are gonna come out, that the words are gonna connect. I can't take credit for it because it's him that works through us. See, God, when he calls us to do something, it's often bigger than we can imagine. But he's not afraid of using broken people, messed up people, people like us. First Corinthians one, we're gonna close with this. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 27. It says, instead, God chose the things the world considers foolish. I see some people out here that maybe the world considers foolish. Maybe you've been looked down on. People say, you don't have what it takes. You're a mistake. Man, you, you, you're just a screw up. You're just a failure. It says, instead, God chose the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think that they're wise. And he chose the things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world. Things counted as nothing is all. Maybe you felt like I'm nothing. I got nothing to offer. I'm no good. I'm despised by the world. And it says God chose the people who are despised by the world. The people counted as nothing is all and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. He can use you in an amazing way, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know who I am. I don't think God can use me. I'm too messed up, I'm too screwed up, I'm too jacked up. Well, it's a good thing that God uses people like that. If God could use Moses, then he could use you. If God could use Peter, then he could use you. If God could use Saul, then he could use you. If God could use David, he could use you. If God could use any of these people in the Bible, if he could use them, he could use somebody like you. Because even though we've messed up, God has a plan and God will equip you and empower you to do the work that he's called you to do. So stop doubting God's word. Stop doubting if God can use you. And take a step of faith. Take a step in the direction that he's called you to be in because we know that when we are walking with him, nothing will be impossible. Let's pray. Father, we come to you now and we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you have chosen to empower us to do the work that only you can do through us. We know sometimes it seems a little overwhelming and that we're not quite qualified, but we thank you for choosing us, for using us. So we offer ourselves to you now and we invite you to use us. Let us walk in faith and not in doubt. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus is your Lord, don't let another day go by. Maybe you've been doubting his love, maybe you've been doubting, can he really forgive me? Maybe you've been doubting any number of things. Don't let the doubt control you any longer. It says in Romans that if you say Jesus is your Lord and you believe that God raised him from the dead, that you'll be saved. So won't you call on his name now and say, Jesus, you are my Lord. Turning my life over to you, I want to trade in the, the doubt for faith. I want you to use me. Yeah, I know I'm messed up. I know I'm jacked up. Man, but I want to be used by you. If you could use a murderer like Moses, then surely you could use me. God, we thank you for using us. We invite you right now, right here, to do the work in us that only you can do. Empower us by your Holy Spirit. Give us a mission, give us a vision, give us a dream for the things that you've called us to do and empower us by your Holy Spirit to accomplish that task. We want to be used by you. We want to be people of faith like Moses, like Abraham, like David, like Elijah. We want to be people of faith like them, taking a step, even when we doubt our own abilities, that we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And it's in his name that we pray, amen.